0: Hallelujah, looking forward to that time when the redeemed will gather in, amen. There's a gathered now, and we're gathered unto him. A gathering isn't just to a local congregation, though we're gathered here this morning, and thank you for coming, but we're also gathered to him, which is Christ Jesus. But then there's a gathering that we're going to meet him in the air. That's what believers believe. Amen. We want to look to His promise today. Amen. First Timothy chapter one and verse eighteen. We'll read from this morning. I just uh, invite you to look into the Word with me today and let the Lord speak to your heart, uh, as I know He will in in a mighty way. First Timothy chapter one, verse eighteen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. According to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou, mightest by, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, with some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Then I would like to look into the next book of Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 15. So this will be 2 Timothy, and Paul writes again. And he says to, to Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babbling. For they will increase into more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. Today we're going to be speaking once again on the people of the book. And we're going to minister on the promised resurrection. And of course, it's the promised resurrection in the homeland. Remember, in the homeland is where... Um, every promise lays is within the homeland. And of course, that homeland is the Word of God. It is the Bible. It is the gospel that Paul preached that we have returned to. Now, as we look into this today, we notice in the the book of Timothy that Paul is dealing with with some situations there that was facing them in that day and time. And it had to do with rightly dividing the word of truth. And um, there was things that was being taught, some great truths that was being introduced. And, um, you know, there were all kinds of beliefs before Jesus came the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, there was the Pharisees who did believe in the resurrection, and, and you had many other viewpoints of, I think, the Esseans didn't believe in the resurrection, and, and so on. So when Jesus rose from the dead, it became one of the cornerstones of the New Testament teaching of the resurrection. And of course, as you know, he also not only did he raise, but all the saints from the past ages rose with him that were under the old covenant. When Jesus' blood was shed at Calvary, it paid their sin debt. And they were, they were, released, from, um, they were released from the um, uh, paradise and uh, a holding place called Abraham's bosom. To go and to rise with Jesus and ascend on high with him. And so, Paul now, he not only taught a, the resurrection, but he taught it in a twofold reason or purpose. He taught a, a, a spiritual resurrection, but he also uh, taught a physical resurrection. And so he he was uh, very careful to rightly divide these two things and not get them confused. But you know there was um, a a man by the name of Hymenius here who took it further than what Paul intended it to go, and he thought that because of the spiritual resurrection that that there would not be a need now for the physical resurrection that it was. All past. That once that we were raised in Christ, well, then there would be no need for a physical resurrection. And, and so, you know, when you look in the Bible and, and even when we talk about a book of Acts church, you know, you envision a perfect church and with miracles and signs and wonders and, and all of this. But what sometimes we don't see is that among that book of Acts church was also a, a false brethren. And there, there was a, another vine that was trying to come up at the same time, a tear among the wheat. And they looked so close that everybody was called brothers. Now, so as we look at that for a moment, don't be discouraged with that. Because in every move of God, Satan gets in the midst to try to bring confusion. You know, you get so close to the truth and then get confused about what it really is all about. And and of course, um, the Antichrist spirit in that day did not start out as Rome. You know, we look at the Antichrist spirit. Oh, we see it, you know, sitting on seven heels. That was his later manifestation. But it started out... Uh, not even as the Jews who brought great persecution. And you would think, oh, they were killing the, 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 the Christians and they were murdering them and stoning them. And, and, and you'd think that, that was the Antichrist. And, but, but the Antichrist spirit actually came as grievous wolves among the flock. That's where the Antichrist spirit came in. It came as a spirit, a seducing spirit. And the Bible, Paul would call them seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And they would get preached in the church. And because the people were not careful to say what the messenger had said. And so as we look at this, even Jesus, in one of his warnings, he said in Matthew seven fifteen, he told us. He said, Beware of false prophets or false preachers who will come to which will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. So Jesus told us, He said, Be careful that they're coming. Amen. The Antichrist Spirit, John would say in his epistles, first John 1, 2, and 3, he would tell them, Beloved, the Antichrist Spirit is here already. And so it was already at work. Paul would say in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Notice how he places this. Feed them, Feed the church of God, who is the purchase of his own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Notice? And also of your own self. Now, not from the outside here, but from within you. There shall men arise speaking perverse things. And what is their purpose? To cause a personality cult to draw people after themselves. And so Paul discerns the very motive of these who will begin to distort the truth. Who will take the people away from the simplicity that is in Christ. And that to the point that he, he compares it as, even as the serpent beguiled Eve. So will, so will these will be uh, beguiled in the same way. Um, and, and he says they will lose that, that, um, that purity and that virginity, that he wanted to present to Christ, a chase virgin. Amen. Now I just tell you, you think now, when we come down to the end time, you think the devil is going to play dead and just fall over, and, and that's going to be the end of him? you know? No, he's going to be here even worse. And we, again, will have to war a great warfare. And in our day and hour to be able to hold forth the word of truth and rightly divide the word of truth all the way down to the end. So now Paul would say again, uh, he, he would list the things that he had to suffer. And I'll, I'll just show you in, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, He would uh, list the things that he had to suffer. and um, It must be 2 Corinthians, sorry. Um, that he that he would he had have to list the different things that he had went through, and he would say one of these was perils among false brethren. He said, uh, you know, I went journeys often, and perils of water, and perils of robbers, and perils by my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea. And if that wasn't enough. Perils in the church. Perils among false brethren. Now, you know, and I want to just say, that last one is more dangerous than all of these others. And that last one is also harder to discern than all of these others. Now, I would like to to just show you Paul's words in Galatians 2 and verse 4. And and he talks about Titus who was, you know, that they wanted to be uh, circumcised. And he said, and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty that we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Now, remember, this is the result of all, all false doctrine, in It it serves to bring people into slavery. It serves to bring them into bondage. Now, again, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18, here, here's where he says, for, uh, uh, first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it, for there must also be heresies among you, that they that are approved may be made manifest among you, so now Paul places these heresies and divisions and strife, and all of these he calls them even the works of the flesh, and we 'll see that in galatians five nineteen as he as he says. He he compares them with sins such as adultery and fornication and uncleanliness, which is lustful impurity and idolatry and witchcraft. Think of this. And he says in verse 20, he says, Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies. They're all in the same category as devil worship. They're all in the same category as, as uh, impurities, sexual impurities. Because the spirit of fornication is also the spirit of false doctrine. Amen. Amen. Now, so you see there, there among the church, he, t- he said there, there's going to be a, a, these things, war against us. And, and he says a, the, it's a warfare that we're in. So he speaks of emulation, zealous strife, uh, and, and envious and contentious rivalry and jealousy and strife, a desire to put oneself forward. You know, heresies, dissensions arising from diversities of opinions and aims. We ought to have one goal. You know what that our goal ought to be? And that's to meet the Lord. Amen. To see the dead in Christ rise. To be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That ought to be our purpose. That ought to be our goal. Or that should be our ambition. Amen. And, and, and our eye must be kept on the promise of God on that great promise of his resurrection. Now, 1 Timothy 1 and 3. I'm just covering some of these as we just lay a foundation. Now, Paul, speaking to Timothy where we just read from chapter 1 in our opening scripture, he said, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I came into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, this was something that, that Paul was having to establish. You know, you've got to preach this gospel. Right, right. And if an angel comes from heaven and preaches another, yeah. let him be accursed. Right. You see where we get ourselves into today? If, if we would claim to preach a gospel that Paul didn't preach, if we would believe that we have been restored to some gospel that Paul didn't preach, because he said, "You charge them that that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables, our and endless genealogies, with so ministers questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith." And so do so. You know, again, this is what he says. You know, these things just they cause questions, they cause confusions, they they cause people to lose focus. They cause the, the church to be divided that cause, cause schisms in the body that cause, it's, it's, the, it's the root of every denomination that there is. Amen, it's the root of every personality cult that rises. Amen, it's just works of the flesh. It isn't works of the spirit. Now Paul then uses Hymenius and Alexander as examples of what... It can happen when someone does not fight the good fight of faith and keep a clear conscience. So, you know, he he tells them, this can happen. You will suffer shipwreck. And he said, you'll throw overboard. It's like emptying the ship. Your faith. You'll lose your faith. So you must keep focused. The doctrine must be preached correctly. The truth must be rightly divided. Amen. Now, I know you're wondering where I'm going with this, but I'm going to be preaching about the resurrection this morning, but I'm just laying this down as a, as a foundation for a moment. I would also like you to see what they were doing with Paul's words, because Peter uh, t- told us what they were doing in second in Peter um, chapter three, verse 15. He, he warned the people. He said, you're taking Paul's words. But look what you're doing with. Well, I, I like this the way he says it. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And I also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, Now that word rest, it means actually tortures the word. They twist it to the point of of torturing the very message, changing it. And he said, they're taking Paul's gospel, this word, this this messenger's word, and they're twisting it. Look what they're doing as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So now we see the, the end result of this. It's always destruction. It's shipwreck. Right. It's it's a failure to reach the goal. Right. It's it's missing the mark. It is sin. It is it is uh, works of the flesh. It it is a uh, spiritual fornication, uh, and which is a kindred spirit to physical fornication. Because Jesus taught us in the book of Revelation that there is a whorish woman in the church. The church becomes a whore because she took in seeds of man instead of the seeds of God. She lost her purity. She transgressed her marriage vows because she was to be married to Christ. And God calls her a whorish woman. And then she teaches her daughters to do the same. So, you know, they, they would rest Paul's own word. They, they taught the resurrection as merely the, the spiritual raising of souls from the sin of death. And, and, and Paul shows us in the scripture that all our hopes of future glory rest on the literal reality of the resurrection. And to believe that, that it was past was to deny it in its true sense. So now, again, it is the sin of Hymenaeus that causes men today to place us beyond the seventh age and its message over into some other place. Amen. Beyond the messenger. And this is, this is what Hymenius did. He could take this a step beyond Paul. He could give it another little twist. He could do it in order that he might have a personality following. He could do it that looked like he was a great teacher. He did it because, as the Bible said that, men would heed to themselves teachers. Paul would deal with this. Men would heed to themselves teachers because the people had an itch and ear. Amen. You know, you can't really have a false prophet unless you got somebody to listen to him. Amen. False doctrine going not go nowhere unless there's some people with itch and ears to receive it. Amen. We're not going to throw it back on the, the blame on the congregation, but I, I want you to know that uh, that you have also a very vital part in this, and that is that you have a desire just to hear the sane, sensible gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And not get distracted from the goal. Now In his day and age, Paul would have to defend the very truth of the resurrection. Think about this. In the middle of all this, he would have to defend it. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Because I'm just showing you the environment of that first age. And this age is no different. Somebody help me preach. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. All right. 1 Timothy 15.12 Now if Christ be priest that he rose from the dead how some how say some among you notice where they were they wasn't out there they're among you this is a problem he's dealing with in the church and he said How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there be no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is also in vain. And yea, we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised of Christ, whom, you, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. And ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And then he sums it up. If if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of men most miserable. And I just want to say it again. Again, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That's why I point to you and I, and I say again, you know, again, you know, everything is air castle. Everything is just smokescreen. It's nothing if Jesus doesn't come back. There must be the literal corporal return of Jesus Christ and the literal physical return of the saints throughout the ages. And there must be the change of our bodies. Or it's all in vain. Now, the scripture must be rightly divided. It must not be dislocated. In these instances, the false brethren were taking the truth of the resurrection that was yet future and saying it was past by simply spiritualizing it. Now, you know, it, it, it does have a spiritual aspect. And I'm going to show you that in the Bible. The resurrection... Has, has a, a, a spiritual aspect. And, and the same is true of mercy, which some teach the blasphemy that mercy is now over and that the mercy seat is vacated. Let me just say, that's blasphemy. That is against the word of God. That removes Christ from being the mediator between God and man. So while the bride is Him, that's right, but there are different roles between the wife and the husband. Amen. The, 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 man, the man of the home is to wear the pants. The man of the home is to be the head. He has a different role than the woman. And the Bible said there is one mediator between God and man. And that's the man, Christ Jesus. So the, the man's role is to intercede between us and God. And to remove him is to remove the headship of Christ. Now... And it's to put the pants on the church, which is the same problem of Rome. Now, there will come a time. There is a time. It is true. There will come a time there will be no more mercy. There will come a time there will not be another Gentile saved. But as I quote from, from Brother Branham in the, in the church age book, he said, But praise God for now, it's not closed. For now, the door is still open. Amen. As we would just think of it in Revelation twenty two eleven, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So there comes a time where there will not be another Gentile saved. But as long as there's another to be redeemed, he is still the Lamb, the Redeemer, the Savior. As long as we're in these physical bodies, we will need divine healing. And he's still the mediator, the advocate, the go between, the intercessor, the high priest. And no woman, no church can take his place. This is what the Catholic Church did. They tried to become the mediator between God and man. It's the same era of Rome. So this is future. And to make this something that has already happened is the same sin of Hymenaeus, and Paul called it blasphemy. Now, surely... There is a spiritual resurrection and it's an important truth. I just want you to understand. These, these brothers had a part of truth. But they weren't rightly dividing it. You see, false doctrine is not built on just false. It can be 99% truth. Just have a twist that takes it off the target. So if you go to Ephesians 2 and 1, I want you to see the spiritual resurrection. You already know it, but as Christians, this is obvious to you. And you hath he quickened. That means he hath made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Amen wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom we also had our conversation uh, in time past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but I'm glad it don't end there yeah. but God yeah. hallelujah hallelujah Amen, I this, is, this is what happened to you But God Amen, I this was your condition Dead in sins Dead in trespasses But God God who is rich In mercy Hallelujah For his great love Wherewith he loved us Glory to God Even when we were dead In sins He hath Quickened us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved and have raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, Hymenius was right in the fact that there is a spiritual resurrection. He got that right. But his twist was taking the church off course. His twist, his resting of the scriptures, his resting of the teaching of Paul was causing the church, in the church some, to shipwreck and others to lose faith. Now, Colossians 2 verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So again, you were dead in sins, and he made you alive. A resurrection. Amen. Colossians 3 and verse 1, if you be risen or resurrected with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So again, he asserts. You have had a resurrection. Romans 6 and 4. We read this a lot of times in in our water baptisms before the the baptism. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we should walk in the newness of life. For we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth from now on we shall not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more. Death had no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But alive through God, unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he said, you actually consider yourself this way. I'm dead to sin. And I'm alive in Christ. Amen. Amen. But with all the spiritual aspect, there is still a glorious resurrection promised that still lays ahead. And it would be spiritual negligence to preach a spiritual resurrection and failed to preach a physical one. And this was the era. This is why Paul turned them over to the devil. I mean, it's pretty serious. Amen. I just to focus on the spiritual aspect without also looking at the physical aspect. So you see, there, it must be rightly divided. Now, there's a glorious resurrection. Now, I want you to just look for 1 Corinthians 15, 51. You're familiar with these scriptures. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. In the moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised in corruption and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought... To pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? And oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is a mystery. Paul was bringing to the church a mystery. Saying it's more than spiritual, brothers. And I just want to even say about our rapture here in the end time. It's more than spiritual. It's more than just the word coming. Amen. It's more than just a prophet bringing a message. That's a vital part of it. But it's more than that. Hallelujah. Amen, as I preached a few Sundays ago, there is coming another baptism of the Holy Ghost that will sweep through the church and will raise the dead in Christ for the past 2,000 years. Amen, and we'll be caught up to meet the headstone. That's what believers believe. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. For this I say to you by the word of the Lord. It's the message of his coming. Yeah, there is an absolute, genuine, spiritual aspect to it. But glory to God, there is also that very coming of the corporal return of Jesus Christ, where we will meet him in the air. Amen. Now, so there is a spiritual resurrection promise. It is a Sunday, the SOM day, a time when the sun rises Again for the evening time. Now, in this end time, there are three phases to the coming of the Lord. There is the word form, that's certainly a spiritual aspect. Amen. The word revealed to a prophet. There is the bride form, the word must be made flesh or revealed in a bride. That's the bride coming. There is the groom form, the meeting in the air, the word becoming material. Now, so there is both the bride coming of Christ and the groom coming of Christ, but they are two different things. Oh, yet they're all part of the same thing. He can't come till the word's restored. Because the people can't be made ready until we come back to Paul's gospel. Amen. Amen. Yet at the same time, then the word is no good on books and tapes it's got to go, come into flesh and it's got to be manifested in flesh amen so it's got to come in bride form amen but, but, then, but then of course there, there has to come the groom coming of Christ we must never move, lose sight of it when the groom comes that's when mercy will be over for the Gentiles the bride, the, or excuse me, the lamb will leave the seat of mercy for the Gentiles. Now, some misplace that by saying it's already happened in the spiritual bride coming, and this is the same danger of Hymenius and Philetus, because what they're doing here lies a problem. Some are taking things that happen in the groom coming and are misplacing it by saying it, it's already happened in the bride coming. Now, of course, then we have another segment I want to say, it all happened in the prophet. And that's all it was. That's all it was to be. And, 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 and the only way that, you know, what, what our focus and attention must be is to get him back. And they're, they're trying to bring a return of, of, of the prophet of God, a return ministry by pretending he's in the pulpit, by pretending he's giving them communion, by pretending that he's praying over the handkerchiefs with a recording, and by pretending. It's all pretense. Now, so some misplace it saying it's already happened in the bride. Some misplace it by saying it all happened in the word coming to a prophet. But let me tell you, there are, there, are, there is things that must be fulfilled in the groom coming of Christ. When the groom comes, that's when the church ages end. Right. Amen. Amen. But some are misplacing it that has already happened in the bride coming. So now we're beyond the seventh angel. The bride is called out of the age at the rapture. Now, before the rapture, we're called out of church systems. Amen. So, therefore, called out of the false part of the portion of the age. But we are the true bride of Laodicea. Amen. A bride under the prophet's ministry who will be the final voice to the final age. Amen. That's why you must never leave that. Otherwise, you become your own voice. Amen. Amen. Remember remember, Hymenius, Philetus, Alexander, they were their own voice. They were not the voice of God. They were the voice of dissension. They were the voice of shipwreck. Now, the bride, you say, Brother Tim, the bride's already called out. Yeah. She's called out of church systems. Amen. She's called back to the word again. That's a spiritual aspect of it. But we're going to be called out of the ages, out of time, into eternity. And that still lies ahead. So, therefore, when we place that correctly, then we can still preach mercy. Then we can still preach healing, deliverance, salvation. Then we can still preach, He's still our intercessor, He's still our high priest. As Brother Branham would demonstrate over and over again, even in who is this Melchizedek, talking about that high priest. And he said, who is this Melchizedek? And he calls out the people one by one, said, who did they touch? They touched the high priest. I'm glad to know today you can still touch the high priest. Amen. You can touch the high priest without touching the human. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. There's a high priest that can be touched. Now, Brother Brandon would tell us in the rapture, he said that, that he said that like Enoch was the type of the rest of them, uh, the type of the rapture. But he said the rapture without death will be called out of the seventh church age, which we are now bearing record of that age. Now, these are some of the last words he told us that we would be called out in the rapture out of the seventh church age. So, when does the age is in, when we leave, until then, He is Christ the same. He is Alpha and Omega. He is standing in the midst of His church, and I want to tell you today, He is still in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's still in the midst of His bride. Come on, church, and He's showing, I am Alpha and I am Omega. And I've revealed myself to the end time. And I've done it through the ages, through seven stars, seven messengers, seven messages, seven stripes of blood. So, well, we're beyond the seven stripes of blood. You are, but I'm not. And the Bible isn't. You went into a land that is a land of shipwreck. Now, yes, rapturing without death, the rapture without death will be called out of the seventh church age. Brother Branham tells us, it is your life worthy of the gospel, I believe it is, that he tells us again, it is the living who will be taken from the Laodicean age into the rapture. Now, since he's called out in church systems... And yeah, that is, that is a spiritual calling. Yes, it does have a physical aspect because you also had to physically remove. But there is going to be a physical translation from this age into the eternities. And that is the rapture. Now, so the age is in when God completes the church. You know when the, when God will complete the church? I'm talking about the true bride now. You know when he will complete it? When the last one comes in. That's why we got to have mercy till the last one comes in. That's why we got to have an intercessor till the last one comes in. You say, "Well, he's there for ignorance, brother Tim." Well, I tell you, those people are still out in ignorance, and they still need a redeemer. Amen. It still needs to be afforded. Listen, this does not have to be confusing to us when we can preach the gospel that Paul preached. That there is one mediator between God and man. And that's the man Christ Jesus. That he is the high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities right now. And if we'll just stay with the simple gospel instead of trying to puff ourselves up. Now, so the ages ends when God completes the church. And when the last one is saved, then God caps off the church with himself the head will you're not with the body the meeting and the air now i wanted to show you we we also have a promised resurrection here in the in time you said well now wait a minute brother tim i i i, I know and i know i know you've done established that there's going to be a physical resurrection we believe that and that's what believers believe we're on the page with you, you know you don't have to go over this again But I want to show you in the the, the Bible and from from the message of the hour about our end time resurrection. Because we're in another Sunday. It is the S-O-N day. This one that is Alpha is also Omega. Amen. Are you with me now? Now, I want us to look at it just for a moment in Zechariah 14 and 6. And this is the name of our tabernacle. This is where we get the name of this church. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Oh, it'll be a day of gloom and darkness, confusion, unbelief. We'll talk about that in a minute. But now look at verse 7. But it shall be one day... Which shall be known to the Lord. Not day nor night. But it shall come to pass. That in the evening time. It shall be light. So God promises. Evening light. Sunlight. Amen. Amen. He promises that. The sun will shine. Or rise again. The same sun that rose on the east. It sets in the west. The very same glorious light comes again in the last day. Now this is a resurrection. Because the gloom and the darkness of the ages, of the dark ages and the sin and the unbelief and the confusion of three gods and and all kinds of misinterpretations. It all fades away. To the glorious light of the sun again. Amen. Now, Brother Branham said in modern events made clear by prophecy. But the prophet said, it shall be light about the evening time. The sun, S-O-N. The sun will peep out again. It shall be light. The same sun, S-O-N, that was revealed in flesh in the morning time back there. Will be revealed again in the evening time. It is the evening time where Luke seventeen thirty is revealed. Amen. It's a time of gloom and darkness and confusion. But in that very hour, in that very time, light shines. Hallelujah. A message comes to turn the hearts of the children back to the first light again. Back to the faith of the original Pentecostal fathers. Hallelujah. Amen. So yeah, Brother Branham... Would, would, would start singing the song it shall be light about the evening time the way to glory you will surely find then he would break out into another song and say, nations are breaking and Israel's awakening signs that the prophets foretold he, what was he pointing out it's happening here in the evening time in the evening time there is a regathering of Israel back to their homeland in the evening time there's a regathering of the bride back to her homeland and the Darkness is dispelled and the light of the sun shines again to the evening time, people. Hallelujah. I say what a wonderful word this is. Now let's talk about the morning sun. Let's see what the morning sun came to do. You know, it was bringing now an end to to the Jewish dispensation. And it was entered in into a new day. And this would be the day or the times of the Gentiles. Are you with me now? So Luke chapter 2 and verse 29. We're going to read what is prophesied to happen. Lord, this is Simeon's prayer. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. He sees the infant child. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now notice, Simeon comes out with a word of prophecy. This light is to bring light to the Gentiles. Now brother, this is quite a word because honestly, the Jewish was elite. You know, had this elitism. Ain't nobody going to be saved but us. And for somebody to come out and prophesy that the light, this light that is coming is a light for the Gentiles. Wow. Now, today it ain't all that a profound revelation. But in that day and time, I want you to understand, this was very profound. In fact, it was a mystery that was not known in prior ages. I'll read it to you in a minute. Now, so again, Paul brought the light. To the Gentiles. He, now Jesus was the light, but now Paul brings the light of the gospel to the Gentiles. Let's go to Acts chapter 13 verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should have been first spoken to you. This is where the gospel turns from the Jews to the Gentiles. But seeing you put it from you, you yourself unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For God, had, for the, so the Lord hath commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light unto the Gentiles that thou, that thou shouldest be a salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Hallelujah. When they heard this light has come to us. When they heard it's now come back to us. We're included in redemption. And the gospel is turned from the Jews who rejected it to the Gentiles who would receive it. And they gladly heard that word. They can say, Glory to God, we have a chance. Amen. God thought about us too. Amen. It's not just a chosen people, a natural seed, but He's got a spiritual seed of Abraham, and they can believe and receive. And as many as believed, or was ordained to eternal life, believed. That's the way it's always, yes. Amen. Now, Paul said this was a mystery. This is something previously unknown. Right. And it was being revealed that the light was breaking at that time. Right. The, sun was, the morning sun was peeping out. It was shining a light on the Gentiles. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. For you Gentiles, now wait a minute. Paul was this Pharisee of this Pharisee. Paul was this arrogant one. If you don't believe what I believe, I'll persecute you, stone you. We'll take you to prison. We'll kill everybody who who disagrees with us. He was a militant Judaizer. Amen. Amen. You think Muslims have the corner on the market? These Jews at that time were doing the same thing. Exterminating anybody. And Paul now would say, I am now a prisoner. I am forced to do what I didn't want to do by my natural thinking. And I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Because Paul now is preaching to people he didn't believe had a hope. He is preaching to people that he didn't think could be saved. There were dogs, heathens, pagans beneath me. Pharisee of the Pharisee. But on the road to to Damascus, there was a ball of fire hit him and knocked him off his high horse. And made him a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he told him in his commission, I will send you to the Gentiles. Can you imagine those words to this pious Jew? You didn't even eat with the Gentiles. You had no association with the Gentiles. And he's told, I'm going to send you as a witness to Gentile. And God said, I made you a prisoner. Now, Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of grace, which is given to me, to you word, I have a, I, I have a dispensation. I, I, I am, I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm his servant, and I'm your servant to dispense to you. The grace of God, the favor of God, which is given to me for you. Now, how that by revelation He made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote above in a few words. Now, so He by revelation He made unto Him to me made known to me the mystery. This was a mystery to me before, but He revealed to me a mystery. Now. Which in other ages, or verse 4, Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, but is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Something, said this is something Moses didn't understand. This is something Jeremiah didn't understand. This is something Elijah didn't understand. This is something none of them understood. It was previously unknown. But I received a revelation of a mystery. For you Gentiles. That the Gentiles. Here's the mystery. Should be fellow heirs and of the same body. And partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Brother Paul would teach. He would teach that Christ. Broke down the middle wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles. And made of them one body. It's really hard for all the prejudice of all those years that Jews had in them. To be able to sit down. You you know the big big debates and... Even things, you know, where Peter, when people wasn't looking, he'd go eat with the Gentiles. And when they were looking, when other people, the elders come down from from Jerusalem, well, he withdrew himself and ate over here. And Paul took him to task and he said, Peter, you're to be blamed with this. It's Galatians chapter 1. If you hadn't ever read your Bible, read it. You're looking at me, some of you, like a, at a, as a mule at a new gate. But this is what he said. I told Peter he was to be blamed. Because of his behavior. Here here he, he, he was afraid to. And this was after Peter has this vision. You know, don't call what I call clean unclean. And yet he's still struggling with this. But Paul now has been made a prisoner. And his revelation is that Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the same promise in Christ by the gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, so there was a sunrise in that day to lighten the Gentiles. And he shows himself in the midst of seven Gentile cities. Did you ever notice these seven golden candlesticks, which represents Ephesus to Laodicea? They are not Jewish cities. They're everyone Gentile cities. And he showed himself in the midst of seven Gentile cities that's representing seven Gentile ages. Hallelujah. And he stands in the midst of them. says, this is my church. This is my people. These are my overcomers. These are the ones I've empowered. Amen. So, so again, the, he he shows himself in the midst of the Gentile ages, our Gentile cities, which shows him represents the seven Gentile ages where God deals with the Gentile as His church. This is why Brother Brandon picking up on this when he says Jerusalem. Notice it's not in here. Seven cities, seven messengers. Jerusalem not in here. Why would not Jerusalem be? He said, because it was Jewish and not Gentile. That's right. That's right. Amen. And he said, he does not speak to the church in Jerusalem, which is mostly Jewish, with perhaps a few Gentiles in it. But the reason is, is God had turned from the Jews to the Gentiles. Thus, the whole of the church ages... Look at this, the whole of the church ages is God dealing with the Gentiles and calling out a Gentile bride to himself, and that makes the church ages and the fullness of the Gentiles the one and same thing. Hallelujah. Church ages, amen, the church ages and the fullness of the Gentiles, one and the same thing. So to go beyond the Laodicean age takes us beyond the time, the day of the Gentiles. Where there's not another Gentile saved and that happens at the rapture. To place it before then cuts your own throat. Now, so now the Gentile day or dispensation would begin with the light of the sun. But that day would soon Turned to gloom. Remember, in the midst of this would become dark ages where the truth, the original truth of Ephesus would be lost. The gospel that Paul preached, they would turn to another gospel. When long this another gospel would have a Pope. And he and would have would have. Um, Priests or apostles to be, and women and what they called saints to be intercessors. would long in, in this time of gloom, there'd be all kinds of confusion. Amen. God would become confused as three people. Somebody help me preach. Amen. All kinds of things. They would lose the truth of water baptism. They would. They would even lose what it really means to be born again because. Born again, become just being birthed physically in a church. In the Catholic Church, you're automatically a Christian. You get the, the christening the day, you know, at, at a certain moment, just as a young person, you're baptized into the church. And the Bible said that in Zechariah 14 and verse 6, and it shall come to pass in that day that the light. Shall not be clear or dark. So part of this day, the light won't be clear or dark. It'll be gloomy and it'll be confusion. It's not, it's not altogether dark, and it's not altogether light. And there's just enough light to see a little. And we get a little truth here of justification or sanctification or, or a little truth here or there. And it won't be clear or dark and and it won't be totally right and it won't be totally wrong. They'll have some truth with a lot of error. Amen. They'll have light on some things and lack of light on some others. Hallelujah. But at the evening time, it shall be light again. In the day of the Gentile, that the same Sun that rose to lighten the Gentiles will again shine in his fullness and his power in the end time. In the evening time it shall be light. Yes, sir. What a word of promise. What a glorious word. That He reserves something for the end time. Ephesians, church days, brother Branham said. Now the prophet said it would be light in the evening time. He said that there would be a day would be dismal. It wouldn't be called day nor night. It's kind of cloudy, misty, cold day. But yet the sun is giving light. Way above the fogs and clouds and so forth, the sun is giving light. It gives enough light you can walk or walk. You can see how to get around and so forth, but it didn't bright, pretty day. So you now nothing can hardly live in that day. If you plant anything where the sun don't hit it, it's dwarfed. Isn't that right? You farmers know that. Put the corn over in the shade somewhere. Watch it dwarfs it. You you ought to know that by your wheat. You put it out here, and if you've had a bad summer, oh, cold and rainy, it dwarfs it. Well, that's what's the matter with the church down through the ages. It's been dwarfed. It's been dwarfed by denomination. Put your name on the book. We've had enough light to know that there's a God. He says, I'm glad of that. We had enough light to know there is a Christ, that there is a coming judgment. We've had light so we can put our names on the book. And we shook hands with the pastor and so forth. And we've done that. All right. But now it's evening time. Now civilization comes from the east and to the west. And now we're on the west coast. We can't go no further. We cross over and we're back in the east again. We can't go no further. We are at the west coast. So we're right here. We're right here at the end where the gospel's fixing to turn back to the Jews. Just as it turned to the Gentiles back then. So this is the closing day of the Gentiles. Now, the Bible said in the evening time it would come light. I'm reading again from the, from the sermon, the church, Ephesian church age. The Bible said in the evening time the light would come. Now, what kind of sun that shines in the evening time? Is it a different sun that rises in the morning? It's the same sun. Is that right? Well, then what did God promise? Now, we're going to get to this, hold it right down here to this age. At this age, the Bible said, so I'll, I'll prove it. These church ages as we go on that in the evening time there would come light break forth in the west that would bring the son of righteousness again with healing in his wings. And the same sign and the same wonders that he did back there in the east will be done over here in the west with another pouring out of the Holy Ghost in the last day. It shall be light in the evening time. The path of glory you will surely find. What an age we're living in. Amen. Now, Brother Brandon goes on. Now, listen carefully. Brother, sister, I've cut you. I've hurt you. I didn't mean to do it that way. God knows it. And that's my heart. But I've had to do it this way to let you see where we're at. I don't believe we have very much longer to stay. I'm not trying to unchristianize you because you belong in an organization. That's not it. The people are a victim of circumstances. They don't know nothing to do. All their parents has always done is just join church and think, but brother, one more thing before we leave, let me make this one more quotation. The prophet said, you believe the prophets? The Bible said to listen to them. The prophet said there would come a time that wouldn't be neither day nor night. But it'll be kind of a dismal day. But in the evening time, just before the sun set, it shall be light. Amen. Glory to God. Don't you remember, amen, even in the moment in the time where that, when Joshua was, had the enemy on the run. And it was evening time and the sun was going down. Amen. And he just said, God, hold that a little longer there till we defeat every enemy. That's still my cry today. God, hold the light just a little longer. Let us get another one saved. Let us make another difference, difference in another person. Amen. Let us see your healing, your deliverance. Let's see it. Amen. Let the light shine. Amen. Oh, brother, don't go to telling me the sun is down and there's no more mercy. Let me tell you, friend, the sun is up the closer sun is up there is still deliverance there is still the Holy Ghost there is still the power of God there is still deliverance in the house of God and then there is still the Holy Ghost that can fill an individual and saturate him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and tap his life off let the light shine here in this evening time It'll be dark soon enough, brother. It'll be dark soon enough. And when the light goes, we're going with it. When the light, the day closes for the Gentiles, we're going with the light. It's called a rapture. Just as that sun you saw some of these sunsets. Brother Timothy took that. It's that sun coming right down to its very ebb, light. And just in a moment, quickly it goes. Slowly, slowly comes down to that moment. And when it reaches a certain place, quickly it goes. the light is shining right down to the last moment. And quickly he'll snatch a bride away. Before the light goes out. Before the Gentile day close. Amen. For he promises in the evening time he will rapture a church. Now he says in restoration of bride tree. The evening light is the same light in the west. That same light that was in the east. And the same light that shined in the east that brought forth the first church that the Romans cut down by their pagan worship and so forth. In the evening light is the same light. Now, down through these ages, what happened? You had your four horse riders run, which, is the, which was the Antichrist, the, the white horse, the, the red horse, the black, the pale. It was the Antichrist going forth. A man was removing and, and, and destroying the church. It would, be, it would be spoken the same manner in the book of Joel that there would be four insects instead of four horse riders, is portrayed in Joel as the a, as a palm worm, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and, and, and um, the locusts. And they would eat down the tree. But he said, I will restore, saith the Lord it is the coming of the sunlight again that brings the hour of restoration that causes the branch. I preached about the other day the root to put out another branch. Because when the light shines, there it responds to the light. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you that the branch has come forth. Amen. The word of restoration has come. And there is a bright tree. by fruit. Because yeah. the branch. Amen. Hath prevailed. Yes, sir. The root hath prevailed. To bring forth the branch. Right. So you restore. The whole word again. The full manifestation of Christ. And his church. Everything he did. Just exactly the way he did. It would have been again in the evening light. Now, the evening light comes to restore what? What the bugs had ate up. Now, when it started out, the bugs hadn't come. Paul had the pure gospel. But after, after a bit, it, they began to eat the doctrine off. Began to take away the truth of the Godhead. The truth of water baptism. Listen. There is no other biblical way to be baptized. Than in the name of Jesus Christ. Look at it in the Bible. Look at it in the Bible. Nobody in the Bible was ever baptized any other way. Amen. But what happened? They changed it down to the ages. Amen. And you see. In the darkness, in the gloomy, cloudy day, here comes these insects. And first thing you know, it's all back down to the stump again. But God will not be defeated. I've got a word for you this morning in your situation. No matter how much the enemy has ate you down. This God will not be defeated. He is a God of restoration. He said, I will restore, saith the Lord. I would take that for my own personal life. I would take that for my family. I don't care how much the insects and devils this turn against my family. I would stand up in the face of that devil and proclaim the word of the Lord that said, I will restore, saith the Lord. I would believe nothing different. I would confess nothing different. I would act on that. It's been a gloomy day. But there's a resurrection promise in the evening time. The same sun that rose in the east shines again in the west. The same sun that started in the morning Shines again in the evening. Brother Branham preaches this as a sunrise. He's talking about the day of the Gentile. But there's a day. The Gentile's day. And he is clear. He brings it down over and again. That the sun, the same morning sun is the evening sun. It's all the same day. It's the day of the Gentiles. And so, just as the sun rose, and there was a sunrise in the morning, the S-O-N rise, there's a son rise in the evening time. So he preaches a resurrection. And he preaches that this is again the rising of the sun. That even as the sun rose 2,000 years ago, because now the clouds are moved away, and the, 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 the gloom is moved. It shows again the sunlight one more time. Yes. Amen. And it causes an rising of the sun in the evening time. Yes. And it is the same light as the morning light. Yes, now, Brother Branham tells us in the message, super sign. He says, the super sign will show itself across the evening light. Remember the same sun that gives light in the evening Is the same sun that gives light in the morning It's not a different kind of light It's the same light Amen Can't we get that in our hearts And brothers across the world Can't we get that in our hearts It's not a different gospel It is not a different light It's the same light The same light they had before the insects ate it down. The same light they had before the horse riders went forth. It's the same light. But our day is ending. Our Gentile age is ended. It's ending. It's not there yet. But it's ending. Now. He tells us. In that sermon. It's a great sermon. It is the rising of the sun. That there will be a resurrection. A sunrise in this evening time. At the closing of the day of the Gentiles. In the last church age. There will be another resurrection. There will be another sunrising. And he reflects back to. In his sermon, he begins to reflect back to the first day of creation. And he said, when the sun rose the first time. And he said, when God said, let there be light. And there was light. And the light dispelled the gloom and the darkness. You know, the darkness had covered over the predestinated seeds that were laying there. Somebody helping me Preach. Amen. And the light began to shine. It would divide the waters from the earth. And finally, it, the light continues on until it quickens to life the seed that is already laying there by predestination. Is somebody with me? And Brother Adam looks back at that again 2,000 years ago to that resurrection morning when Jesus rose early the first day of the week. And he drew a parallel between that first sunrise of creation to to this sunrise. of where Jesus dispelled the gloom and the darkness of the tomb. And he rose again. Brother Branham tells us that there in that first sunrise in the creation. The Spirit of God moved with love and compassion on that great day. And on that first day of the dawn of creation of the earth, the sun rose and swept across its rays and dried up the waters from the earth and made an atmosphere above. And for the first time, it was able to bring joy and life to the earth by a seed. That was a great hour. But he said, oh, it was nothing. That sunrise was nothing like that sunrise on that Easter morning. Amen. Yeah. Hey this time the sun leaping into the skies brought a greater sunrise than ever. It was the greatest news with this sunrise. It did it with that sunrise in the beginning. It brought the news. He is risen. Yeah. He is quickened from the dead as he promised. He is risen from the dead. Yeah. Oh what a sunrise that was. That was the morning sun that was to bring light to the gentiles. That was to that was to bring us into the day of the Gentiles. Now the first time the sun rose, and he parallels it again, in Genesis. It was bringing a message that there will be life on the earth, mortal life. But this time, when the sun rose on that Easter sunrise, it was a dual sunrising. He rose at the rising of the sun, but there was more than the S-U-N, but it was the S-O-N had risen to bring eternal life to all God's promised seed that by foreknowledge he had seen laying up on the earth. Now the light would shine to bring forth seed. And there was seed there that so shocked the Jews. These dogs, these despised, these pagans, these Gentiles. But when the sun rose, amen, as many as were ordained to life believed. As many as had a germ of life in them believed. When the sun rose. I say what a sunrise that was. Amen. Don't you remember when the day star, that's the sun, dawned in your heart? Amen When well, it dispelled the darkness there That Satan had done everything he did To kind of cover up, up With sin and gloom and darkness But there was laying there A predestinated seed All the time And the same God that said Let there be light in the beginning Said let there be light Something quickened in the soul When the sun rose Therefore, you are not of the night. You are not of the darkness. You are of the day. Oh, sleep another time. Amen. You're not of the darkness. Those that sleep, sleep in the night. Those that are of the light must walk in this light. There on that Easter morning, in that dirt somewhere, he laid our bodies at that time. Think about Brother Branham even sees the dirt. He said, in that dirt lay our body. I was laying here, you were laying here. The elements that makes your body, the dust that's here was on the earth at that time. But we're dusty earth and in heaven there was a book of memory. And his attributes was in him because knowing that because the Son of God raised, it would raise to life every son that was ordained to this great time. He knew it would be and what what a more glorious sunrise than that which was at the beginning, at the time when it first dawned. Notice, as the gloom covered the earth, and the seed could not live without the S-U-N to rise, and the gloom had covered the earth, now the S-U-N was risen, and all the gloom had, the S-U-N had risen, and all the gloom was vanished by this light as it spread across the nations to the people. He's not here, but he's risen. Oh, what a statement. He had proved with this word. He had proved it to me to be true. He had now conquered death, hell, and the grave. The Trinity of the devil, death, hell, and the grave. For Satan's the author of death. He's the possessor of hell and also the grave. And that the Trinity of Satan being caused by one thing that was death. And every and every one thing, the trinity Trinity of Satan, which is death, that held man in captivity all of these years. And I tell you, in in that sunrise in your life, sin couldn't hold you. Darkness couldn't hold you. Evil couldn't hold you. Gloom couldn't hold you. Amen. The light shone and there came quickened. That predestinated seed of God to life. I say what a resurrection that is. That you, and you, and you, and you, who were once dead in sins and trespasses, now he is made alive. I'm talking to you about a living church. Amen. A man of people who are alive. Hallelujah. Not a dead group of people, not a lifeless group of people, but a people who are alive. The very message of the gospel is to prove to the people he is risen. Go tell my disciples I'm risen from the dead. I'll meet this them to confirm this to them. Oh God, he said, how in this last day there shall be light across the earth again and I'll prove to my disciples go tell them that I'm not dead. I'm not a tradition, but I'm a living Christ. And when the darkness began to, prov- to pull back and the light began to shine, remember remember Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. Let's just read it for a moment as we look at it in just, just a moment. Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all are proud, and yea, that do wickedly, shall be stubble, and they that cometh the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will leave them neither root nor branch. Amen. But unto you, yes. is there any but one of you that are used? Yes. Do you fit in the scripture? You that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness, Lord of God, will rise with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. What is that gonna happen? Cause growth to come. You go forth as calves from the stall. Amen. Why? Because I will restore, saith the Lord. He's rising with healing in his wings. He sends out a messenger. What does he do? The blind eyes are open. The deaf hears. The cripples walk. The cancers leave. The dead is raised. Come on, somebody help me preach now. Amen. What was it? It was the sun of righteousness arising in the evening light with healing in his wings. But he didn't want to just heal your body, he wanted to heal the church. Amen. She had been wounded and hurt and encumbered with gangrene. This is what Paul called it gangrene an infectious disease destroying the body and the, and the church was weak. They were too weak to reach up and get the promises of God. That's right. That's right. But in the evening time, yes, the Son of Righteousness arises Amen. with healing in his wings. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, go tell my disciples that ought to be beaten in every heart today amen go tell my disciples let me tell you this message is not a dead message amen this message is not to make your denominational christian and you just sit on a pew go tell my disciples i'm not dead but i'm alive a Baptist tomb can't hold me. A Catholic tomb can't hold me. A Pentecostal tomb can't hold me. A message tomb can't hold me. Amen, I will never be sealed away from them again. The evening light is shining. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Go tell them the good news. What a message. No wonder we've had a world... Dark world of theology. But in evening time, there shall come light again. Amen. Brother Bradham tells us over and over and over that evening light is the light of the seventh messenger and his message and the Laodicean last age. That's evening light. It's a prophet Malachi 4 bringing his message. The darkened world of unbelief. We're churches and denominations. How are we on time? Oh yeah, I got just a couple more minutes. The darkened world of unbelief, where churches and denominations and so forth has drawn us out, and there's something in us calling. Oh, we want God, Brother James Pilger. That burn in your heart as a young boy, searching. Oh I want God I don't want just church I don't want just theology I want God That burned in your heart Brother Paul Fields That burned in your heart I, I, I've seen enough church I've seen a lot of White sepulchers And dead men's bones And they, you know every kind of Hidden thing of dishonesty there But oh something's burning in my heart I want God we're hungering and thirsting for God. We joined the Methodists, the Baptists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, and what more? Still there was something wrong. We just couldn't find it yet. And all of a sudden, while we were groping in darkness, the great resurrection came to us in the manifestation of this promised word. Yes. Hallelujah. Now them who were once groping in darkness. Groping in darkness. Wondering about. Said, so we wash feet on this day. Should we keep this certain day? Should we have this certain set of rules? All these things are passed away. For there was a glorious resurrection that defied every man-made thing that man had ever done, every man-made reasoning. Hallelujah. There had never been to that time a man who could lay his life down, pick it up again. He defied the scientific proof they had by raising again. And when they say Jesus Christ isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever, that his power isn't the same, that his gospel isn't the same, when the Bible said it is the same, God defied every denomination and creed and moved forth his Holy Spirit as he promised and proved it to us that he is alive. Now tell me, what did that light, this evening light, bring in the seventh church age? It brought the wheat that was planted and that had progressed down through the ages to wheat grain again. That the alpha, remember he's standing here, I am alpha and omega. He didn't say in between, he said I'm alpha and omega. I'm here at the beginning, I'm at the end. The evening, the morning light, the evening light. In between that, yes, I'm standing in the midst, I'm working among them. They'll come through their stages of the wheat. It'll go down at Nicaea. It'll rot. It won't look the same. It'll have different characteristics. It'll have blade and tassels. And finally shut a very deceiving age where we'll think that's actually the real grain, but it isn't. But finally, when the evening light comes, it comes to ripen the grain. Amen. To make it exactly like the grain that was planted. Now what's he doing this for? To bring a harvest at the end time. Amen. Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, we're we're, we're not the same as the book of Acts. We got something different. Yeah, we got something different. We're not going in the ground. We're going up. This crop crop is not going to be planted. It's going in the garner. That's what we got different. We have a rapture. They had the hope of one. We have more than a hope. We have the rapture already working within our moral beings. The quickening power of God going to work. Are you with me? Amen. And then the word that has been released to turn us back to the original faith. The evening light to ripen the grain and take it in a rapture. I say this is a great Sunday. Amen. Now, Brother Bradham pointed out, he pointed out, you know, that, and, and if you want to know, in the Church age book, page 298, he told us that there was several crops that comes. The, the light brings a lot of things to harvest. The tares come to fruition. They come to, they've reached their, their maturity. But he said the wheat will be gathered into the garner in the Laodicean age. So you see, this is where it is. Um, in the Laodicean church age. Brother Branham talks about that age. He said this age is the last of the seven church ages. What began first in the uh, Ephesian age. Must come to full fruition. A harvest in the last Laodicean age. The two vines will yield their final fruit. The two spirits will terminate their manifestation. In each of their final destinations. The sowing. The watering. The growing. Is all over. The summer is ended. The sickle is now thrust into the harvest. The last age. And when we come to this last age. And he said, so we come to this last age, the Laodicean age. That is our age. I wonder if believers across the land can say that. That's our age. We know it is the last age. For the Jews are back in Palestine. No matter how they got there, they're there. And this is a harvest time. And before there can be a harvest, there has to be a ripening, a maturing of both the vines. The Lutheran age was springtime. Western age, summer of growth. Laodicean age, the harvest time of the gathering of the, the tares for binding and burning. And the garnering of the wheat for the Lord. What does it mean to garner the wheat? It means take it into the barn. Hallelujah. Jeffrey, yeah, you know what You know what it's called? It is called a grain elevator. <laughs> Amen. Why? The grain is going up. He ain't going to leave us behind. That's what the evening light is for. Now, so he would tell us. Yeah, I, I got two more minutes. So in Leviticus, you would find that he tells us. That, you know, that there would be a harvest season when you come into the land. I'll tell you what, let's read it. Leviticus 23.10, which is two verses. Speak to the children of Israel, saying to them, When you come to the land which I give you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, you you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So now, he tells about when you come into the land. Have we returned to the homeland? All right, then you will bring a sheaf. In other words, there will be grain come to maturity. And you take a bunch of that, and and you take it to the priest, and you wave it before the Lord. Now, it's a sheaf. Now, Brother Branham would tell us about this, and it is the rising sun. He said, if there would be any holy ritual, it should come forth on the Sabbath day, which was the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday. But did you notice in this memorial, it was to wave it on the first day of the week. Now, why is he going here? He's not going here saying, now the seven church ages over, and we're in the eighth day. Or he would have said that. But what is the point that he's been making all along? And that is that that again, that there is to be a sheath wave in the last day that is exactly like what happened when the light came originally on the first day of the week. It would be the same here in the end time, bringing life to a darkened world. It shall be light in the evening time. Now, just for the record, Brother Branham never calls the Laodicean age the seventh day or the Sabbath. No, when it comes to days, there are six days that we are in six thousand years. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. The ages are not days; they are seven. They 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 are seven ages. Are you with me? So there are seven days now that are spoken on the seventh day. The morrow after the Sabbath. And Brother Branham uses this to point back. He said, see, creation, the light came on the first day of the week. And he points back. He said, now, if there would be a ritual, You know, it looked like it would have come on the Sabbath day, but he said he did it on the seventh day. Why? He is typing out that the light that shone at the beginning is the light that was shining at the end time. It shall be light in the evening time. Oh, glory to God. That's where we are. So you see, Laodicea is is an age, not a day. Amen. Brother Branham never types Laodicea as the Sabbath or the seventh day. He simply showed that the week waving was to be on the first day of the week because that's when Jesus rose. And that points back to the first day of creation where the sun rose the first time. And that there's to be a rising of the sun. But in this time, it's evening time. Right. Oh, what a phenomenon. Yes. A sunrise in the evening time. Yes. Oh, it's been shining all the time. But it's been covered with gloom. Right. But when the gloom is dispelled the false doctrines are removed and the, and the, and the lies of the devil are removed, the light shines. And when it does, it ripens the wheat. Yeah. You've got to have the light to ripen the wheat and the Laodicean age. Right. For at the evening time, it shall be light again. Right. Amen. Now, so it's a Sunday. That's where we're at, is not a Sunday. When the S-O-N has risen. And the Son, the Son, the Son of Man reveals himself, remember, there's one likened to the Son of Man standing in the seven church ages saying I'm Alpha and Omega. He's Son of Man in the first age and Son of Man in the last age. What is Son of Man? It's the Word. He's a full Word. These others have gloom, darkness, but you've got the full light again. Amen. So the Son of Man reveals himself in the Sodom age. And Brother Brandon calls it the Laodicean sign. When the Son of Man rises with healing in his wings, dispels the darkness, produces a light for the end time. So now as we go into this, let's let's just finish up. Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept. Remember in this first Sunday in Jesus' resurrection, he was called the first fruits of the resurrection. Now then, in order for there to be this harvest time, there's also got to be another people alive on the earth who are the first fruits of the resurrection. That unless the living comes to this place, there's got to be somebody that don't hinder There's got to be a living group that does not prevent him from coming back. They've got to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Somebody help me preach now. I'm, I'm trying to bring it down to the close. Amen. There has to be somebody that will not hinder his return. So there has to be a first fruit. Amen. So there has to be somebody come back to the word again. There has to be the light to shine to do that. It has to come to the evening light. Is somebody with me now? And so there has to be a resurrection. But this resurrection is a resurrection out of cold, dark denominationalism. Back to the word again. Hallelujah. A living bride alive on the earth. Displaying to the world the son of man. Hallelujah. The fullness of his word. What an age you're living in, church. It is the rising of the sun. It is. Amen. It's more than the setting. You say, I see it setting on the Gentile. I see it setting on the earth. I I see it setting. I see it rising. I see the, the, the gloom dispelled. I see the unbelief going. Amen. I see the sun rising with deliverance. You who were sometimes darkness, now you are light in the Lord. A resurrection in the homeland. And they are waiting on you. Because unless there's a people called back to the word and resurrection out of dark denominationalism. And a first fruit that he takes and waves over the earth. Are you with me church? Amen, that it's the same one that was there on the day of Pentecost. It's the same God, the same power, the same church, the same bride, the same, the same, the same, the same doctrine, the same truths. Here we are, tight many times, but here we are in the last day. Now then, here we come down. A people who will match coming capstone there's got to be a ministry on earth who matches the coming groom got to be a people on earth who match him remember the capstone coming down you got the pyramid if it's only halfway built it won't match it has to grow up into a place where the two comes together And when the last stone, the last living, your lively stones, when the last one is added, the capstone comes. And there's a people that fits him. There's a people that matches him. That matches the bridegroom coming. Are you with me? Amen. And and Brother Brandon said, when that capstone comes down, he said, the full power of the Holy Ghost sweeps down with such a battle. Baptism of the Holy Ghost, it raises the dead in Christ from 2,000 years. Amen. I don't have time to get it, but in this manifestation of this sons of God and, and the bringing of that mystery, just let me tell you, let me tell you what to do. It'll cause the bride, the living, to call the resurrection of people who are so full of the word. Of people who know their God, of people who can do exploits, that their lives so matches Him. It calls the dead in Christ from thousands of years. That's what this prophet taught. There's a resurrection in the end time, and you are a people (laughs) that are living that will not hinder their raising. But your very life manifesting the word of God for your age is calling the dead. Yes. Amen. To come back into this dimension. Yes, sir. We meet together here. And together we go to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. That's what believers believe. Yes. That's where we are. Yes. There's a resurrection. Sure. It's Sunday. Yes. Now tell that darkness, leave. Leave. Bring it all out into the light. Yes. Hidden things of dishonesty, bring it in the light. Yes. Thing and works of the flesh, bring it into the light. Yes. Amen. Every, everything, bring your life into that light. Yes. Let the sun rise. Amen. It's Sunday. Amen. It is the rising of the sun. Amen. What a paradox. Amen. It happens in the evening time. That the same sun that rose back in the east sets in the west. It shall be light in the evening time. Do you love him this morning? What a resurrection that was. But what a resurrection this is. It would mean very little for him to raise from the dead if you wasn't quickened to life. But because he lives, you shall live also. Amen. Let's stand together. Let the musicians come. Amen. This Sunday. What a, it happens in this seventh church age. In the evening time of the same day, the Gentile dispensation, the same sun, shines his light in the same power, showing that he still lives. The sun is up. That's my message to you today. The sun is up. You've had a difficult night. Life has been difficult. There's been trouble in your life, and gloom, and darkness, and unbelief, and things that you've wrestled with, and confusion, and trouble, and everything on every hand. But I got news for you the night is past. The sun is up. The gloom is over. The sun is up. And He's here to bring healing. You know, you get up in the morning real early. Things that scared you during the night. You remember? You laid that pile of clothes over there on the, on the thing, and on the chair. And in the morning and in the night, it looks like a, it looks like a booger bear. It's scary. You hear noises. It's frightening. It's night. when the light comes on, and the closer it gets, the more the light shines, the more plainer things get. Amen. Things that you couldn't read, all of a sudden you can read it. Why? What changed? The light. Mysteries that was hid for years and years all of a sudden come into plain view. What? The light. Things that once scared us and frightened us—now we look at that. Why was I scared of that? That was nothing but a sheet over there. You know, all them noises during the night—they don't bother you no more. The light shines. You may be weary. You may be frightened. You may be in confusion. In your personal life, the light has got to dawn. Peter called it until the day star, that's the light. The light is the day star. Arise in your heart. It's got to rise. It's the rising of the sun. What happened to you when you were in darkness, the world? He rose with healing in his wings, he healed you of that temper. That selfishness, that work of the flesh. He's shown. A lot of times you get up in the morning, you see that sun come up. There's, you see it, it comes, the Bible calls it wings of the morning. Because here it comes up, and here that light shines out, and it's like wings coming up, shafts of light dancing up before your eyes. And it brings healing. You know how it is, when it's dark all the time, days and days and days, of darkness and rain and gloom, you see the light shining, Oh, all of a sudden, your spirit, there's the sun. Where have you been? You know, you've been all hidden behind the clouds for days. We don't see that much in Louisiana. But you go to certain places and it's that way. I won't say that. I won't call the names, but you know. And when they say the light, they say, there's the sun. There's the sun. The sun's shining. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful day. The sun is up. The darkness is gone. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's a wonderful day. The sun is up. It's dispelling your darkness. It's removing your fears. It's taking away your unbelief. Amen. It's about, oh, it's kind of like the little dewdrop that comes down in the stillness of the night. You know, I don't know exactly how it comes. I understand it's condensation. So maybe it's the moisture that there's in the atmosphere it comes down on the cool. Blade of grass that is there, and it con- condenses, and forms there a pretty jewel. And Brother Bradham talked about that dewdrop. He said that dewdrop. He says it comes in the coldness of the night, but he said then the sun rises and begins to shine on that dewdrop, and he said it begins to glisten. And it shines and it shouts Oh it can be prettier than any diamond I know you women disagree with me But it, can't, it will Prettier than any diamond God's got them They're laid out across the grass Shining And he said that dewdrop shines and shouts He says why Because it knows That the light is drawing it back Up to where it came from Oh hallelujah Little dewdrop it's your time to shine and shout. Amen. Because the light, the evening light, is drawing you back up to where you came from. You're not of this world. Amen. You came down in this gloom of darkness, but the sun is up. It ought to make us shine. Amen. Amen. Let's sing a song. Just a little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let's just worship God together. Well, this little light of mine. Well, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Well, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under the bushel, no. Let it shine, Jesus I'm going to let it shine, let it shine Let it shine, let it shine We'll light it all over the world I'm going to let it shine, let it shine All over the world I'm going to let it shine, let it shine All over the world I'm going to let it shine, let it shine Hallelujah. We'll walk in the light. That beautiful light. Amen. We'll walk in the light. In the name of it, Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. Come on, send it to him again. We'll walk in the light now. Oh, Amen. Mercy rewrote my life. You know, the other day as I was preaching some things, I look back, I see the tears flowing down her sister Diane Seminelli's face. She just was telling me, you know, brother Tim, many years ago when I left one of those camps I wouldn't even baptize my son because because he was born after 1963 it wasn't mercy for somebody like that I wouldn't even baptize him and I come out and mercy began to rewrite my life and I was just so thankful for mercy. How many is thankful for mercy today? How many is glad it rewrote your life? You was a sinner bound for hell, or maybe you was out in sin's darkness. Maybe you were in confusion, and mercy came. Mercy said, "No, I won't let him go. I won't let them slip away. Goodness and mercy came on your trail and overtook you. You didn't deserve it. But there was a light that shone that found you. And that mercy has rewritten your life. Let's worship Him today as we just sing it to Him. Mercy rewrote my life. Mercy rewrote my life. He rewrote my heart. I should have fallen. My soul cast down. But mercy, mercy came. Mercy found me. Thank God for mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Oh,